Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Let me talk about why we, why we marry the person that we marry and how it can be a healing journey and not be a journey of pain like, like ours was for so long. And I wanna say this related to the sovereignty of God because God is more sovereign than we think he is in who we marry. It's understanding the sovereign purpose of God in marriage or why God tricks us into falling in love with someone who can drive us so crazy and why they drive us so crazy and how we can stop being driven so crazy and be healed. When we're dating, we are doing it mostly on a very subconscious level and we don't realize it. We're, we're dating a person and we're looking at how attractive they are or you know, if we like being with them or if we share you know, the same basic things in common. And it, it is important to, uh, to, to be compatible and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But research has proven that most of the dating that we do in choosing a spouse is a very, it's done on the subconscious. And a good analogy is an iceberg. You see an iceberg and the tip is sticking out of the water, but the mass is below the water. When we're dating, we're looking at a person typically at a very, on a very superficial level. But God is doing something so much more under the surface that we don't even know about. And it's the not knowing that creates the danger. It's not understanding what God is doing when we're choosing a spouse that really creates the danger uh, and when we marry, and a lot of the pain that is caused in marriage. So I wanna talk about two sovereign and subconscious choices that we make when we're choosing a spouse. When, when Karen and I were dating, I, I was dating her, I didn't know there was anything deeper than just going out and having fun, but God wires us to choose a spouse according to his will. God wires us to choose a spouse in a certain way, and there's something way deeper going on when we're dating, and, and then the person we marry, there's something much more sovereign than we think there is in who we marry. And so there's two choices that we make when we're dating and get married that we need to understand. The first is, when we're dating and marry, we're trying to find a person to be our compatible opposite. Okay, now a lot of people would say, no, when I marry, I'm looking for someone that's like me. No, you're not. In, in a, on a conscious level, you may think that you're looking for a person that's like you. God wired you to find your opposite. This is what Genesis 2.18 says. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The word helper is the word aidser. It means to supply what is lacking. God didn't create another Adam because Adam didn't need another him. He needed someone to supply what was lacking. Marriage is not this, marriage is this. You don't need another you. The last thing in the world you need is another you. You need someone who supplies what's lacking. And so God created Eve to complement Adam. 
And so when we're getting married, consciously we're thinking, I'm going to find someone that's just like me. I just, you know, because I'm normal, I want to find another normal person just like me. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you're basically incompatible with yourself. You know, you're looking for somebody compatible. We're looking for someone to complete us. Compatibility is not based on sameness. Compatibility is based on beliefs, values, and character. What makes Karen and I compatible is not that we're the same because we're polar opposites. What makes Karen and I compatible is we love Jesus, we're going to the same place in life, and we both agree that the character of Christ is what we're after. You want a person that you share beliefs with, that you share life goals with and values, and that you believe in their character. The, the purpose of dating is not to see how good a person is in bed. The purpose of dating is to see a person's character so you can spend your life with them safely. That's the, person, the purpose of dating. So if we have the same beliefs and values and character, we're compatible, but we're gonna be very, very different. And it's not understanding that that causes so much of the problem. Remember, Adam rejected Eve. As soon as they fell, Adam rejected Eve and said to God, that woman that you gave me, she's, she's the problem. Ever since she showed up, there's been nothing but problems. And he was not accusing Eve, he was accusing God of not giving him the right woman, even though he did. He was created perfectly. You wanna be compatible? You wanna be compatible in Christ? You wanna have the same character and values, but someone different. Here's the second subconscious decision and sovereign decision that we're making to find a committed partner to walk me back through my past so I can heal. Now many people, including myself, would say when they're getting married, I wanna find a person to take me as far from my past as I can possibly get. It is exactly the opposite. We're looking for a person who will walk us back to our past so we can be healed. So let me tell you the story of Dr. Harville Hendricks and his wife, Ruth LaKelly Hunt. Uh, Harville Hendricks and his wife have written a book called Getting the Love You Want. It's a good book. And um, he was the professor of marriage and family therapy at SMU, Southern Methodist University, for many years. And during the time that he was the professor there of marriage and family, he divorced his wife. Later, he remarried Ruth Kelly Hunt. And his wife said to him, You're, you were the marriage guy. I mean, you knew all this stuff about marriage. Why did you divorce? And that question really haunted him and them. And they wanted to, they were researchers. They were both marriage people. And they wanted to answer this question. Why do couples fight? Pretty simple thing. I mean, the person that could answer that question, I mean, that's a pretty valuable thing. Why do couples fight? Why, why did Karen and I fight when we first got married so much? And after eight years of research, after eight years of research, they came to this conclusion. We are all wounded from our past and we are subconsciously looking for a spouse who has the best chance of healing us. As the marriage guy at SMU, he divorced, remarried, was haunted by the question, why did I divorce my wife? He didn't know. Why do we fight so much? He didn't know. Research it for eight years. They believe that most of our fights are because we are unaware of the dynamic that is going on of healing each other and that's what causes the fighting is because it's in the subconscious realm. And we don't really understand what's going on. When Karen and I got married, um, we fought all the time because we were touching each other's wounds. I absolutely agree with the thesis of their book. 
I believe it's why I married Karen. I believe it's why she married me. We fought each other. We did not have an understanding of that though. And we wounded each other. We wounded each other. And we wounded each other until we began to heal each other. You said, well, Jimmy, what changed that you began to heal each other? Number one, we had to both admit that we were wounded. I was very macho and I was extremely damaged, but I put on this tough exterior. And every time that Karen would get close to my wounds, which I had many, I would reject her and act tough. Now, Karen, Karen advertised her pain. She had low self-esteem and everybody knew it. She was devastated. And so, but Karen was the first one that came to me. She was more humble than me and she more honest than me. And Karen said, I'm damaged. I'm damaged, Jimmy. And I thought, well, finally you're getting it. You know, you're the problem. Yeah, well, she was more godly than me, more humble than me. But then the Lord broke through my heart and I stopped the, the lie. And I told Karen, I'm damaged, Karen. And it's the fear of you seeing this that motivates a lot of my fights. I don't, I don't want you to see how messed up I really am. But obviously she could see it. We stop blaming each other and attacking each other. If you're going to heal each other, you have to stop attacking each other. And this is what Karen did that was so wise. She just sat down one day and said, God heal me. Wasn't about Jimmy. God heal me. She put the focus on herself. We both turned to God. But another thing that we began to do that was very important is we allowed each other to complain without being attacked. And I said to Karen and she said to me, I'm your safe place. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I'm not going to judge you and attack you when you say stuff. And if there's something that you're feeling, if there's something that's going on, I want you to tell me and I won't attack you. And so we're going to talk it out, but I'm not going to attack you. So we became a safe place for each other to come and share and we healed each other. Now let me say this. Women were given the name in Genesis 2 of the Holy Spirit. Helper. Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send another helper. Azer. That's Azer's the Hebrew. But in the New Testament, it's the same thing. He's going to supply what's lacking. He's going to give you the power to accomplish a task and to supply what's lacking. Women are made in the image of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's a healer. How did Karen heal me? Well, first of all, she helped me find my emotions. Karen helped me to walk back through my past. I'm not wired to feel. And so we would have conversations. It was talking to Karen that healed me because we would have conversations about my past and I would say something and Karen would say, Jimmy, this is, this is what happened and this is how you're feeling about that. She was always right. Gently, spirit of truth, that's what Karen is, just like the Holy Spirit. She healed me. She was my safe place to talk and she believed in me. She, she always believed in me. She always spoke you know, honor to me. Honor heals men. Mo- many men, our deepest wounds are caused by disrespect and lack of honor. And so her honor healed me. How did I heal Karen? I gave her strength and confidence when she was unsure of herself. I have confidence. I gave her confidence when when she lacked it. I committed myself to nourish and cherish her and to put her first in my life. 
many women, their deepest wounds are from feeling lack of value, that they're not worth fighting for, and they feel insecure. And so I created an environment of security when I cherished Karen and put her first. And I healed her. Listen, listen to me. I remember when Karen and I woke up and there were no more wounds. I remember the day in Canyon, Texas, when I told Karen to get out of the house, go back to her parents. And I was a, a wounded, a very, very wounded individual. And I repented and we did what I'm descri describing here. But I remember the day that we, we, we're not wounded people. Karen and I, are, it's wonderful to live in a healed marriage, but I know what it's like to live in an unhealed marriage. You were designed to heal each other. Now, let, me, let me say one thing and I'm done. There's a movie called Groundhog's Day, Bill, Bill Murray. And in this movie, he's a rotten guy. He's a weatherman, and he's at this place doing a report on Groundhog's Day, and he's just a rotten guy, immoral, just a crummy, rotten guy. And he wakes up the next morning, and it's the same day. It's still Groundhog's Day. And he's trying to get this girl. Andy McDowell plays the character of the woman. He's trying to get this girl, and he's a rotten guy. And he wakes up the same day. He's still rotten. And he wakes up the next day. He's still rotten. Day after day, he wakes up. And it's still Groundhog's Day over and over, and he's a rotten guy. And finally, he gets the message that he needs to improve as a human being. And so he begins to be kind and thoughtful and moral, and he begins to improve himself. And finally, at the end of the movie, he's just a wonderful human being, and he wakes up, and it's a new day. If you keep rejecting each other and attacking each other, you're gonna keep living the same day for the rest of your life. You're not gonna wake up in a new day in your marriage until you understand this. You married your opposite, celebrate it. And you married someone to heal you, let them. That's the way that God wires us. Those are the conscious, the subconscious decisions that we are making when we are dating. And when they come into the known realm, into the conscious realm, and we make the decision to accept each other, to cherish each other, and to heal each other, that's when marriage becomes a healing journey the way that God designed it to be. Hi, I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my co-author, Alan Kelsey, and we have written the book, Strengths-Based Marriage. We want to kind of go more in depth on these teachings to help you. Karen's number one strength is empathy, mm. the feeling feelings yeah. and being connected to every, all the feelings. That's my number 34. Man, it's mine too. And I tell you, Stephanie has hers super high and we're similar in that regard. Yeah. And I think until we know that yeah. we're doing this to our spouses, we're just walking all over them and we have no idea we're doing it. Yeah, and, and the, the, but the beauty of the, the Clifton Strength Finders and the Strengths-Based Marriage book, it changed our lives. I'm gonna say it, it changed us. I understand today that my wife has a strength mm. called empathy. And it's so good to frame it that way too. Yeah, and for years, I knew that she was way too connected <laughs> to, to everybody's emotions. Yeah, in her I own. understand. And it that. made me nervous and it made me think, there's something wrong. Yeah, there's nothing it's wrong. It's not normal. It's a strength. Well, but my number one strength is achiever. That's her number 34. So, in, <laughs> In our marriage, and you have been our strength coach, in our marriage, it has helped us so much to just see each other through this mm. lens. This is what we want to give you uh, mm. in the book, is a new way to understand marriage in a language 
by which you can say, you know, this you're doing this, and this is why you're doing that, right. but I'm different. Okay. Well, let's talk about your chapter, and can we both throw it together? But you chose the chapter, The Secret of Every Passionate Marriage. That's right. So, so talk about that. Well, I really wanted to get into that particular chapter because I was convinced and remain convinced that these strengths are so much a part of what motivates our everyday action. Whether we're connected to that being the case or not, whether we know or not, these strengths are given to us by God and they cause us to act in a particular way. So it's a form of motivation. It motivates us to behave in a particular way. Well, if that's true for my waking moments, then that's true for every conceivable thing. Whether I'm typing on a computer, engaging with my daughters, playing around a golf, or whether Stephanie and I are between the sheets. And the thought that my strengths might influence our behavior between the sheets just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't realize, wow, this could be true. And what might that look like? And as I got into the research for it and got into um, some of the writing, I realized that there's a profound implication there. Um, But I got to tell you, when I first started writing it, it got weird real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because, okay, so I'll just take my number one strength. I have my first strength is achiever. And so this, the essence of achiever is that we just love to get things done. And we might, we might even make lists of things. And I, and I feel accomplished when I can check something off. So it's not just the starting or the, or the getting busy with. It's the finishing or the oh, completion. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the achieving the goal, right? right? So you take the achieving the goal perspective and you, dra- and you drag that into the bedroom. And then things start to become very goal-oriented. And, and now, you've, now you've brought a bunch of pressure into the bedroom that doesn't really need to be there. And, and by trying to write about it became so specific, it just felt creepy. It, <laughs> it was awkward. I couldn't write it and be respectful. And so, oh, I struggled and I couldn't figure out how to write it. And then I realized, because Gallup takes some of these strengths and puts them into into these clusters. There are four kind of domains of the way people think. Uh, And there's this executing domain. Achiever goes into that box, and there's six or seven others that fit in that box. And so if you take what happens in the bedroom and consider it through an executing strength, then there's this, this pathway or this tendency for people in that category and the way that they might behave in the bedroom. And so I wanted to normalize things that husbands or wives might ask for between the sheets by looking at it through this wiring and saying, this is kind of the way God made you. And so there's a side to this, as long as it's respectful and agreed upon, that's really healthy and normal. And uh, it ought not to be frowned upon because of some tradition or something that you've been brought up. Yeah, you know, and I teach about sex, you know, in my marriage seminars and people get really uptight. Uh, you know, well, <laughs> can't imagine why. Well, but you know, but we get nervous because we're different. That's right. Men and women are different, but we have different strengths. And understanding how your spouse interprets sex. Yeah. You know what they want in right. sex. You know, I believe you're getting the best of Alan Kelsey and yeah. Jimmy Evans That's in this true. book, Strengths-Based Marriage, along with all of the expertise of the Clifton Strengths Finder to help you to understand your strengths, your spouse's strengths and to have a stronger marriage. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.